Just over a week ago, an attempted coup or putsch sent shockwaves through Germany. At least 25 people were arrested, a disgruntled elderly prince, an active soldier, former members of the police and special forces, QAnon conspiracy theorists. The group planned to take over the German parliament, the Bundestag, undoubtedly influenced by the January 6th events in the US. Alarmingly, police discovered troves of arms and military equipment, as well as a list of politicians and journalists deemed to be enemies. To learn more about what's behind such a seemingly nutty, but actually relatively well-organised and armed group, I'm joined by Bloomberg opinion columnist Andreas Kluth. Hello, Geraldine. This may have been inspired by the failed American uprising, but it's got very particular German characteristics, doesn't it? Who are these Reichsbergers, or citizens of the Reich, as they call themselves? Well, um, Geraldine, let's both try to keep a straight face as I walk you through it. Their, their name, Reichsbürger, is their name. And that means, so Reich is empire, Bürger means citizen. They're imperial citizens. And they at least used to be not a coherent group, but different strands of conspiracy theory. And they've been around for a long time. And what they believe essentially is that the Reich, the empire, and of course there were three, but they mean the, the Wilhelmine one, the one that, that started in 1871. Most of them mean that one. So they, they believe that that empire never stopped existing. It was so, sort of so transferred into the Weimar, Weimar Republic. And then, of course, when Germany lost the war, the Allies, these they believe, established a limited liability company. You heard that right. They established a company which is run by the Rothschild family. So therefore, there, there you have the traditional anti-Semitic element. And it's essentially all fake. And even though it's fake, it, they concede that, that it's very convincing, the fake, because it's the deep state. You, you, and they actually take that English term from the Trumpies, the, the, the cross-fertilization uh, cross here between the movements. And so they think there's a deep state, um, uh, but it's really all a fake by the Allied victors, and the empire is still there, and they're just waiting for a rightful heir, and there's big big disagreement over, you know, who that might be to take over. And they were getting ready with weapons to to end, you know, to have a coup. And there were several of these attempts and maybe some of them linked up with each other and apparently in this case carried it quite far. What's rather interesting about, well, there's so much interesting about it, uh, Andreas, is that the plotters came from quite prosperous or established backgrounds. Several German nobles, judges, family doctors, the former far-right politician Birgit malsack winkermann So, I mean, is that a shock? It's always a shock, but it, as I said in my column, I'm learning to to keep being, uh, you know, shocked but not surprised. We knew that before because we actually have. I've I've written about the Reichsburger for about a decade. They're they're not new. It's just this this the violence and the the organization of the plot that was so new. But we've always known that that it's not a class thing necessarily. I'll I'll tell you what the. I mean, disproportionately male. We can say, and I think by the way, there are definitely parallels to the MAGA crowd. Because they're not necessarily poor either, but I, in in Germany, no, this they tend true. to be disproportionately. They're certainly not aristocracy, though. 
Yeah, the aristocracy is officially, there's no aristocracy in Germany either. Of course, America doesn't have aristocracy, but that's a sort of, I mean, it's it's kind of like even that was, no one took that so seriously. But it, it's it, it's East German. It is conservative. And, and then there are a lot of psychological factors that makes a person prone to conspiracy theories or not. Wealth per se isn't necessarily it. Uh, at least in Germany, but I think also in some other places. Uh, but look, um, quite a few people with military background, uh, such as 64-year-old Maximilian Eder, you know, he was a real commander of one of the Bundeswehr's uh, armoured right. infantry battalions and, you know, did very well in Kosovo and Afghanistan, I read, and he was a founder of Germany's Special Forces Command. So is this, this is what seems to be... Uh, troubling people they finally can't avert their gaze that it's the it's the uh incorporation uh, with the f military and some aspects of the police now again does that shock you or you've been following it for well, maybe it doesn't no it, it doesn't again it, it shocks but doesn't surprise me we've known this for a long time too if you think about it any any sort of group whether it's police or army and certainly special units that, that worships weapons and military training will attract normal and good people, but will also attract disproportionately people who have a gun fetish or an authoritarian fetish and these things. And we've known and, and we've had these scandals before also about the Reichsburger are not technically neo-Nazis, but we've had neo-Nazi infiltration of military units as well. And of some police units sometimes. So, uh, you know, swastikas found mm -hmm. pictures of Adolf Hitler in, in certain raids. And Germany is really, you know, a, a good about this and careful about this, about essentially trying to weed out these people and also to, to explain, you know, basically teach or indoctrinate recruits that they have a special duty this being Germany and with the past, but they still get infiltrated by this this uh, worldview. And, and we've known that for a while. Again, the what was surprising is the degree of organization and how close they came to actually acting on this. That was the shock last week, you know. Well, how much has COVID um, and uh, anti-vaxxers, which has got a real uh, central hub effect in Germany for all sorts of interesting reasons, how much has that change things and been a bit of a special factor here it, it was a huge factor and there have been several factors that that have worked together because as i said the reichsburger for example have been around basically forever for decades okay and i've followed them for decades and we used to just a brief like we used to just laugh at them because what they used to do let's say in east germany there's a traffic stop and the driver is a reichsburger he will refuse to acknowledge the, the legitimacy of the police who pulled him over, and he will show his own driver's license because, of course, the Reich issues driver's licenses. You know, they, they print some sort of thing with a picture on it. Then when he gets called, hauled into court, he will not acknowledge the judge's legitimacy and so forth. And this was more of a laughingstock. I mean, people giggled about it, and that was in the old days. But then in the past decade or so, we've had several developments, and I definitely would say one is Donald Trump, that phenomenon. You could even add Brexit and then COVID. And COVID was, of course, a just a 
boon for conspiracy, conspiracy theorists in general. And QAnon in particular, which is not a coherent thing either, but was not an American thing. It was kind of a global thing. It linked up with a movement here called the Kvedenka, basically the, I don't know, free minds or whatever they call themselves, who essentially also had, you know, Bill Gates and again, Jews, and that it was all a conspiracy. So those conspiracy theories spread throughout the world, and in particular in Germany and the United States, and linked up. And those in turn linked up with other conspiracy theories, such as the Reichsbürger, and that those stories had already been there. And they just stewed in their own cesspool of theories and you know, fake news and all of this. And so in that sense, it definitely raised both, I think, the intensity of some of their, because then they were isolated, some of these people, or even more isolated, you know, with their weapon stashes somewhere in the countryside, in their houses. And they got new ideas and they thought, oh, there's a lot of us. And I'm, I'm guessing now that that definitely increased the virulence of all of these conspiracy theories, including that one. I've read a range of people trying to grapple with whether how serious this is, you know, trying to sort of being shocked by the fact that they were planning an armed takeover of the Bundestag. And um, one writer said, it's clear that very highly placed figures, and you're alluding to this too, within both the military and the political elite in Germany, this was in The Economist, just don't want to believe this to be true, that people like this could possibly escalate, or who haven't wanted to be true for a long time and have directed resources away from investigating this issue. I mean, how, what, what would you say has shifted in the minds of average Germans uh, since well, this news has become uh, apparent? Well, as always, when we talk to Geraldine, I'm, I, at some point I point out, because I'm fascinated by this, the difference in how the Germans reported on it and view it and the outside world, uh, to which I belong, because I write Oh, you know, I'm American and write for Bloomberg. And the outside world, including you now, you make much more of this than the Germans did. I think most average Germans still think it's sort of a joke and didn't think it came very close to achieving anything. And they may be right. So it was in the news and it's still in the news. And so there's a lot of meetings about it. And there's a lot of more crackdowns and even more in the background. But it wasn't like, oh, wow, we were really close. Because there, maybe we can get to the difference between January 6th, 2021 uh, in the United States. There is a big difference. But here they don't think we got that close to anything really dangerous, but pretty close. So it's got their attention. Outside of Germany, it's like because it's the past and still the images of the Nazi era is like, like oh, my God. And also I think if even the Germans are under threat, then it must be really bad in other places, which I think actually is true, you know? So, so it, there's kind of a discrepancy. The Germans aren't that worried because of course they, they did very well. They, they, maybe they, we, we don't, you don't know it's underground, but maybe they took care of this movement, you know, maybe they decapitated it and for a while we're safe again. Well, yeah, the Indonesians used to say that about Abu Bakr Bashir. <laughs> they yeah. said he was a funny old fellow who was harmless, and he certainly was not harmless. So, I mean, and I know that there's a debate on inside Germany by particularly people of, of a left-wing striper saying, why won't you all focus on the fact that right-wing people, right-wing extremism can be exceptionally dangerous, and you've just got to face this. 
Absolutely. And of course, that that is another factor common to they used to. I mean, I don't want to bring up his name here, but Adolf Hitler was ridiculed in the, his early days. Uh, other people like in, you know, even Donald Trump, it's this, this not being taken seriously by quote unquote reasonable people. That's that's how these things go further than they should. I absolutely agree with you. The difference, I just want to point that out, between this event or incident or episode and what's happening in the United States, the, the commonality is definitely the conspiracy theories, the specific ones, the memes, the tropes. That is has gone viral and transnational. The difference is in the United States, you had essentially a instigation and cooperation collusion between the top of the executive branch and that movement of conspiracy theor- uh, theorists. Mm. And here it was, it was purely the mm. subculture without any help from above. And of course, the, the Dane, that's what made the, I think the American attempts, which are not entirely over, much more dangerous as we discovered in the January 6th committee hearing hearings, you know, Look, it must be provoking uh, some reflection, and one of which I've seen is that um, part of this strange plot, the cause of it, is that openly displaying patriotism in Germany is really still quite taboo, and that it, it that it's arguable anyway that it produces this odd, you know, very odd. Um, breakouts that <laughs> are sort of distinctly yeah. dysfunctional, but that. <laughs> You know, Germany's still struggling, I suppose, with yes. with the aftermath of, of all that it went through. That's a really good and a really subtle point, Geraldine. I mean, if I, I, I've written about this, researched it, but for instance, if you think of West Germany during the Cold War in the 60s, 70s, 80s especially, that was entirely true. You weren't really even allowed to wave the flag. You didn't barely sing the anthem. Uh, not even during soccer games, and you spat at Bundeswehr soldiers if they were walking in the street. It was, in all those ways, it's the opposite of the United States, let's say. And that sort of changed gradually after unification and then really changed after Germany hosted the World Cup. And for the first time, everyone was waving every flag, all the hosts, the guests, and everyone was happy about it. And we thought, oh, finally, we're, we're normal. The Germans are normal. And it's not quite like that. And And as you observed, it because of the past, it, Germans used to say, okay, you got to be proud of something in your identity. So they used to either start being pr- proud of their subnational identity, like Bavarian or Swabian, mm-hmm. or their supranational identity, like European, so they could skip over the German bit in the middle. But 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 now we're getting further away from, from that, that past that was so traumatizing, and people are kind of reaching out for something national again, and then they often reach for the wrong thing. For example, the empire or the Reich or some sort of symbolism that usually it pre- it's not the Nazi, you know, the swastika itself. And, and in this case, too, they go a little bit further back and they're nostalgic about the, the Kaiser. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bismarck, you know, the Kaiser and the, 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 pick, the you know, the pointed hats and all of that look, you know, and then then other things come up, like we're not really part of the West. We're special. Germans are, you know, like not East, not West. We're, we're, we have, and all of those. And it's quite dangerous. And you see that in other countries in different ways. It's this nostalgizing of the mm-hmm. past. I'm thinking of Vladimir Putin and his pseudo historian, mm-hmm. Alexander Dugan. They have similar theories, you know, and you build your narrative that you're special. 
or exceptional in some way. I think everyone has in common that they think they're exceptional and they have some narratives. And this, then they go off the rails and then the result is this. So many reflections emerge from this. Thank you very much indeed, Andreas, for taking us through it and not laughing. <laughs> you said you might. <laughs> you know, laugh, cry all the same at some point. Thank you, Geraldine. Bloomberg opinion columnist Andreas Kluth speaking to us from Berlin and we will watch with interest uh, over the summer what unfolds in the German courts next year. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.